0: Welcome, everybody, to Just End the Show, your favorite podcast where it never gets any easier. Never. The Jets drop another one, a shocker to the Dolphins, 24-17. It was a real barn burner. (laughs) A real barn burner of a game, and this one really wasn't as close as that score would indicate. The Jets got a garbage-time field goal from Matt Amendola and that was really all she wrote.
1: Are we should are the bags on still? Should we should we have left the bags on? The bags are back, baby. The bags are on. Well, it's right here folks, you can hear it. I I have a hat on so I can't really put it on, but yeah, they're still around. I think I was thinking like the bags are like 75% on because we got like that one, you know, Elijah Moore play. So that like you, you can lift the bag off a little bit, you know, but like it's still pretty much on. i I, i'm gonna foreground the information i think like this is the first time that i've actually not watched any of the game as it was happening although that's actually not totally true but i recorded the uh game against the bills and then watched it afterwards but this one is not on tv because like they're just like no cbs just gave up on the jets this year
0: (laughs) yeah so you're in the the general albany vicinity right
1: yes that's true we should uh we should uh clue our listeners in. I am I'm am in Albany, New York, so as a result of that I am sometime the Bills are sometimes preempt uh Jets games. So it's been a problem a couple of times this year, but you can usually still find ways to watch the games. But um I was also working during this one, so then I couldn't do that, so yeah. I'm uh I apologize to our listeners in advance for uh knowing even less than I usually do. But I ha you know, I saw all the highlights and read read as much as I could, so hopefully i I'll, be, I'll only be slightly
0: embarrassed. It, what's interesting to me in that, you, if you if you think about it, it's likely that Albany is one of the only markets in the country that actually has to decide between the two yeah. teams. All right, it's like a split market because you're almost like halfway between, probably a little closer to New York than Buffalo. I shouldn't say halfway, but I mean you've 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 probably got fans of either team floating around, right? Jets, Giants, and Bills, all sort of wrapped into one. And as you know, they separate the Jets and Giants for that reason for the New York market. They don't separate the Bills from the Jets or Giants usually, so that's like a fascinating call if you're uh, Albany's local CBS station. That's interesting. I've never yeah. had to think about that before.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely in the area, the Giants are still the primary like favorite team. Um, but yeah, there's 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 enough Bills fans, and also now that the Bills are well good or good ish or were or whatever's going on can we have nick back on the podcast to explain what the hell happened in that game (laughs) but yeah since the bills are like more competent now they're bumping the jets more on cbs but seriously what was that like what anyway we're not here to talk about that game but that was bonkers they got beat worse than we did by the colts take that Top dogs in the AFC, baby. We still got it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in our weekly segment on our Jets podcast, are the Bills good? Weekly segment. (laughs) (laughs) So, this game in particular for the Jets, I think my main takeaway was that the secrets out on this defense, there's enough tape on them now where teams are just spreading them out. It's like, don't go too tight ends. Don't try to run up the gut. Don't even bother. Just go shotgun. Just spread this team out, and you could beat them horizontally. Horizontally, I think I just invented a (laughs) word. You could beat them horizontally, and you could beat them vertically. Yeah,
1: that's how bad they're getting beat. They're inventing new directions to beat them in. (laughs) I think you're right. I was going to say that uh, I was when I was thinking about this. um, I'm not sure when this might have flipped but it feels like there might have been some kind of a flip in the season and we didn't notice because they've just you know been losing except for these two fluky games but i feel like at the beginning of the year we were talking about how you know the reason they were losing was that the offense was so bad and so incompetent that the defense was on the field the whole time and it felt like we were actually pleasantly surprised by some of the defensive performances and we were kind of maybe chalking that up to like coaching or just you know the young talent showing up but At some point, it feels like there's been a flip here, and maybe it was just the the two big blowouts there in a row. But it feels like I'm not going to say I'm not going to describe you know an offense that scores 17 points, a Joe Flacco led offense that scores 17 points on the Dolphins as like explosive. But it feels like the week after, I was really tough on on Lafleur's offensive game plan that, especially considering playing three different quarterbacks in four weeks, he's actually been, uh, they, they, they've they actually been able to move the ball. And if you looked at the early parts of this game, they were hanging in the game. I mean, it was tied at halftime. Um, they could have, you know, if they were, if, if Amendola was able to kick field goals, they would have been up. Um, so, you know, I mean, uh, I've actually been at least that on that side of the ball, and I'm sure we're going to get to some of the, like, the, the, the two really good offensive player performances in this, uh, but, you know, it actually feels like that they're playing at a more competent level at this point, or at least are, or at least are approaching uh, more consistently <laughs> approaching competency is what we look for here in this fan base. And that's like, maybe that's what they're going for. But it, uh, the defensive side of the ball is going the opposite direction. Like you're saying, they're getting beat in every direction. They're, showing the signs of the lack of talent that we were talking about even before the season started. Whether or not it's a thing where teams are, there's just enough tape on them, like you're saying, or or whether or not it's just, they are just completely overmatched by teams, even a team like Miami. Obviously, this is better than giving up 45 points a game, but uh, honestly, I think a lot of that has more to do with the Dolphins' uh, levels of incompetency on offense than it does for the Jets' defensive performance because there's, not a lot of positives. There's there's basically no positives you can take away from that, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I, I. you're right. It's like a sliding scale almost, right? It's like, you know, here was the defense playing above their level. Here was the offense really blowing every game for them. And then it slowly sort of slid the other way. They're not winning any more games, but the offense is becoming a bit more competent. And the defense is just getting that much more incompetent to the point where it seems like by the end of the year, they might be giving up. 60 a game. They might be losing these games 60 to 30. That sliding scale keeps yeah. tipping in that direction.
1: Yeah. CJ Mosley didn't actually have a very good game. He's had a couple of really kind of rough weeks in a row. I saw a, a pretty detailed breakdown of that. Uh, I think it was the third and one play where Mosley kind of called it audible or like was trying to change the play right before it went off and it threw off the whole defense.
0: Yeah, you almost have to feel for somebody like C.J. Mosley, who's been such a force in this league for such a long time, and now he's just playing with all rookies and second-year players around him. He must feel like a guy on an island, even when he calls an audible. It's like, he's like, D-d-? I wonder if C.J. Mosley thinks that his teammates really understand what he's trying to do, if they really understand conceptually what he's switching to from A to B. He hasn't played well himself, as you have mentioned, and I think that that's fair. But I almost feel bad for CJ Mosley as kind of the lone veteran star on a team full of rookies and unprovens and has-beens and never will bes
1: <laughs> true a few weeks ago I was saying that it's actually like kind of like what you were just saying it's nice to have Mosley there because it feels like having a veteran presence is a big part of this but like if he's not even kind of carrying it and like you're saying if they're not on the same pa- the other players aren't on the same page as him. Uh, then we're, we're really in trouble because they're paying him a lot of money, and I think he had less tackles than, like, Quincy Williams in this game and stuff, so that's not great, you know? Uh, Quincy Williams is, is a is a never-will-be probably, right? Uh, so in that category, yeah. I don't know.
0: We've seen some flashes from Quincy. I think Quincy's one of those guys yeah. that's just kind of a, yeah. a freak athlete in terms of his speed from the linebacker position. But, yeah, from an NFL talent standpoint, you got to have more than just – Speed and strength, right? There's some intangibles. There's the the mental side of the game, and I'm not sure that Quincy Williams is ever really going to compete at the highest level. Like I said, I think I feel a little bit bad for C.J. Mosley in the respect that if he were on another team, I think he'd be having a better year. I think in this defense, he's really going to struggle. And I think if you couple him with Amendola and especially Ashton Davis, we can make a nice list of guys who aren't going to be on this team probably as early as next year. Amendola is not going to be on the team this week and I would be surprised if Ashton Davis is on the roster come opening day next year. He was so bad in this game. I know we've been killing Ashton Davis these last couple yeah. of weeks, but this was an abysmal game for him. I know he had the interception he on got a play pick. order. That's, that's where, the only where, where
1: thing you can say, yeah.
0: Tua missed his receiver by about 15 <laughs> yards, right? He overthrew him, and he, he threw it right to Ashton Davis. It was a good catch, but he yeah. was so bad in this game. He gave the Dolphins a free touchdown in a game they lost by seven points. Yeah. He just never... Noticed Mac Hollins running down the sideline. He was on that side of the field. That's you got to figure that's his responsibility, and he just left Mac Hollins completely alone and gave the Dolphins a free touchdown. You can't have that. It's inexcusable from an NFL safety, and I, I I just think he might have some value as a you know playing at the line of scrimmage third safety type of player. The NFL likes to move in that direction, right? A lot of teams play three safeties now. A lot of teams play a safety towards the line of scrimmage. Maybe Ashton Davis can excel in that sort of a role but just playing a traditional free safety role he has been abysmal and i would be surprised if he's here next year
1: i agree with everything you said we have been tough on ashton davis but i mean uh i don't like it was kind of like what we were saying in the thing with nick where we were talking about like people are down on the new york media for being for being mean to the jets it's like well what are you supposed to say? I mean, he's just clearly not playing at uh, an NFL caliber level. And like you said, maybe there's some situation that you could potentially plug him in or if, you know, some other team could use him in some way. Like, but he just seems like he's constantly running either the wrong direction. He's letting people <laughs> go right by him. He seems maybe confused by the schemes on some of these plays or like where he's supposed to be standing or... um, and I, I just I don't know. I mean, it just it seemed there's there's nothing really positive that you can say except the pick, which, like you said, was really to his fault. And that's kind of a you know, that's that's kind of an interesting microcosm of the whole game. Like Tua did not play well, but the Dolphins were still able to win. And so, you know, uh, yeah, it's 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 sad to see that Ashton Davis is clearly not uh, not working out because I feel like he was one at the beginning of the year. We were like, well, maybe when he comes back, he'll be. A... No. Yeah. No.
0: Let's take a quick break, and then I want to talk about some of the offense in this game. One of the things I wanted to talk about about this game specifically was Rob Salah's quarterback choice because it's something we didn't really get to in time last week. I think going into last week's game, we all assumed early in the week it was going to be Zach Wilson back and healthy. Yep. And what we got was, not only was Wilson held up in this game, but Mike White was benched for this game. They decided to go with Joe Flacco as the starter. I was really surprised by this. I don't know about you. Um, Sala, in his comments, said that he wanted to go with an experienced quarterback against a defense like the Dolphins, who eat young quarterbacks alive. C.J. Mosley was interviewed earlier this week, and he expressed kind of the same idea, that it was more helpful to have the veteran in there, he thought. Mosley also played with Flacco in his early days on the Ravens, so he's friends with him. He's got a lot of confidence in him. Um, I'm not buying it. I understand you could sell the veteran as the the PR move, but to me, this screams organizational tank. I don't think there's any reason that Joe Flacco should be ahead of Mike White on this depth chart, especially if they're saying it's not a benching because of the Buffalo game, right? They said he's not being benched for his performance against Buffalo. If that's not the case, I don't think you can justify this.
1: Yeah, I, I was surprised, too. I mean, I I don't know if you take out the Cincinnati game. I don't really know how huge the drop-off is from Mike White to Flacco. Like, I, I, it's possible that Mike White just played out of his mind in that one game and that there's knowledge from Sala and other people in the organization that you know the difference is pretty negligible so and now that we are seeing that uh Zach Wilson it it appears at least is going to start uh the next game here that maybe because this was going to be the last week they didn't want any kind of a mini quarterback controversy between him and White maybe that's a possible explanation for it um I mean you know in terms of quarterback controversies I feel like that's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel but hey you know Joe Flacco is Is exactly who you think he is and he played exact he did exactly what you thought he was gonna do. He either isn't able physically to throw downfield anymore or he's like kinda choosing not to do it, but he's checking down all the time. But I'm not sure if this game is one if Mike White is in there. I think it's a possibility. Um, you know, he's a whatever he is a D plus C minus quarterback at this point, and that's who they just decide to plug in here. But he has the terrible uh, intentional grounding call that really screws them over. So you know, you're also get, you're always going to get that part along with the fact that maybe he can he can check down and, and move the ball a little bit. I mean, they were, you know, they were able to move the ball a tiny bit in the first half. Like I say, I, I this is not a intimidating offense by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know. I mean, this did feel like a winnable game. Salah is, uh, I'm, I'm a little uh, disappointed by this at this point. Three weeks in a row, I think, of just the team just seems out of sorts. And uh, if you, I don't know, do, do you really think it is is? They're, they're actually really going for the tank at this point? I'm not sure.
0: I think that they are, and I don't think that includes Sala. I don't think head coaches tank. I don't think players tank. Obviously, you know, it's an organizational decision that yeah. comes from the top. Um, I think that's probably the direction they're going. That said, I do expect Zach Wilson to be out there next week because if Zach's healthy, even from a PR standpoint, they're not going to be able to justify keeping Flacco in there if Zach's and he's ready to go. So I do think we are going to get Zach. What what that means for the tank, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, he's been named, I believe, at this point. They named him the starter. So I think barring something happening between now and then, I think he's going to
0: play. But Becton, is he? he's still alive, right? as far as we know makai becton as i understand it will not be practicing this week but we yeah. will in all likelihood see makai becton before the end of the year
1: yeah i i just i just i just want to know that he's like not trapped under like a chandelier or something like <laughs> that's just, it's like i was just thinking like wait wasn't he supposed to come back like a couple of weeks ago what? where where is he so makai we miss you buddy come on back big boy sl-
0: <laughs> he's been a little bit of a slow healer for sure and if you look at the Jets' offense for the next 10 years, right, you should have Mikay Beckton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Michael Carter, and Elijah Moore. So if nothing else, that's four really good, young offensive pieces that Joe Douglas has brought in right there. I know we're going to miss t- Michael Carter in this game, and over the next yeah. two games at least, maybe two to four games, high ankle sprain. What were we going to say, Kev?
1: Oh, I was going to say, is now the time we start the Elijah Moore Optimism Fest? Because I'm down. There you go. Yeah. This is the player that they that we were supposed to be getting, you know. Um and it, and uh I had actually forgotten that he didn't play in preseason. Um like I I remember the optimism for him in training camp. When you see a performance like this, you think this is the guy that uh, we were kind of promised c- going into the year and uh that's uh that's probably the number one source of optimism coming out of this game, right for Jets fans?
0: Absolutely. I mean, the Elijah Moore hype train was real, like you said. As soon as the Jets drafted him, everyone around the team, all of the scouts on Twitter, uh, including the actual scouts and the couch scouts on Twitter, were like, hey, this kid is fast. This kid is someone to look out for. And it turns out that they were right. The only caveat on Elijah Moore is that if you go back and look at the stats, the emergence of Moore has coincided with the injury to Zach Wilson. It's really been Mike White and Joe Flacco who have brought this out Of Elijah Moore, it'll be interesting to see what kind of chemistry he has with Zach going into this week against Houston.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean uh, that that's that's a little bit alarming. But again, I'm still I'm still thinking that uh, the Zach sample size is still too low because of this it, missing all these weeks now that we still don't exactly know the Carter injury. To me, is is more is, is just is just worse because if you had Zach coming back in, you've got more coming off a good game, and you've got Michael Carter playing really well like this. If they were all able to come back in, um, you know, against you know a team like Houston, where I think they can. You know, uh, move the ball a little bit, or at least should be able to. That w- that would be the ideal situation. Carter played great, but obviously he's hurt. I'm glad to see that uh, it's a two week injury and not a six week injury, or not a not a season ending injury or anything like that. Uh, but it's just it's so sad to see him go because he was. I think we've mentioned multiple times he's been one of the brightest spots on the on the offensive side of the ball for the Jets. Just watching. Michael
0: Carter. Yeah, I mean, it's really going to be tough to watch this offense I suspect without Michael Carter in there. He's so valuable as a pass catcher out of the backfield in addition to his value as a runner. um, This could be kind of a put-up or shut-up week for Ty Johnson, who could probably replace most of Michael Carter's receiving output he's a good receiving back I don't know he just doesn't have the speed or power or elusiveness as a runner that yeah. Michael Carter gives you he's just not nearly as dynamic so we could see a lot of Tevin Coleman in this game especially on the early downs and maybe Ty Johnson on third down some combination of that but that's not scaring you if you're Houston Amendola is definitely something I want to get into I don't know if you want to a, take a break and talk about the kicking game let's do it <laughs> So I think at this point we are fully off the Matt Amendola train.
1: We sold. We sold. The, yeah, we're off the train. We're off the platform. The train is on fire. <laughs> um, they're, they're already trying out. They're, they're trying out kickers, I saw. Um, Josh Lambeau is one of the ones that's in the mix. So, um, yeah. No, unfortunately, he, can, uh, he apparently can kick really long but not in the right direction. So that's, a, that's an issue.
0: You know, because it's supposed to go in 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 the thing, not like just any direction. From a distance perspective, that fifty-yard try off the upright that could have been good from sixty-five, right? That had all the distance in the world on it. <laughs> if it was close,
1: yeah. We uh, I think we bought low on Amandola stock, and uh, we're selling even lower. So uh, <laughs> so so we got that going for us. No, that's uh, yeah. He's clearly not the answer, and probably should have been a situation addressed before this point. But it seems like the. Uh, Seems like that's uh, that's the ship has sailed on Matt Amendola, so yeah. oh well. When you... No Matt Amendola jersey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no Matt Amendola jersey. Glad, glad I didn't go for it. <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, that looks like a great idea, really holding off on that. Wow. What's funny is that he might have a career ahead of him as a punter. We've seen him punt about three, four times. He, he, he seemed pretty good, so yeah. maybe he could just consider a career change. I think maybe he'd have a shot to stay on this team if he converts positions. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I would be surprised. Well, man, actually was playing pretty well before he got hurt. But yeah, the uh, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Amendola does seem like he can actually <laughs> he can actually punt. So I don't know how often that happens. How often does that happen? Do ki- place kickers ever actually turn into punters? Do you know?
0: I would say never. I don't think I've ever heard of it. I mean, back in the day, that was one guy. But ever since kicker and punter have been two separate positions, I can't think of a single example. Uh, it's likely he'll end up in camp with somebody else next year. Kickers have a tendency, even the bad ones, to stick around. There's always so many kicker injuries. There's always so many kicker firings during the year where he'll be okay in this league. He'll kind of float around, but I think his time with the Jets is going to come to an end. I would say as early as this week, I would be surprised if Matt Amendola is the Jets kicker as we go into this game against Houston.
1: Yeah, he cost them, was it six points or more? He definitely cost them
0: them six. He missed um, a couple. He cost them six points, at least three. If you don't, if you take the fifty-yarder away, you know that one's a little tough. I think what was interesting about this performance for Amendola, and what might have put the final nail in his coffin, is if you look at that onside kick attempt at the end of the game. I know it was pretty meaningless as far as the score was concerned. All it would have done is bought the Jets a hail mary, even if they had come up with it. But that was one of the worst onside (laughs) kick attempts I've ever seen in my life. In my you know 25 years or so on this earth of watching <laughs> football right i mean he lobbed a ball deep yeah. and softly to the other team it's literally the opposite of what an outside kick should be
1: yeah it was it was like um i don't know what it was like it was like he was actually trying to hit them it was like the same as uh daniel jones throwing it right <laughs> throwing it right to uh
0: jets legend yeah uh, jets legend steve mcclendon with a
1: with yeah, the pick yesterday McClendon. on monday night I just watched that like a couple minutes before we recorded, and man, that's funny.
0: What what was he doing? What was he thinking on that? There's that not so a, crazy. There's not a New York Giant in the picture. If you watch that that <laughs> highlight, I'm not sure who Daniel thought he was throwing to.
1: <laughs> See how I pivoted out of uh, the, uh, I pivoted out of talking about how bad the Jets are and just started hating on Danny Danny Dimes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, the onside kick was terrible. He's he I just think he's uh yeah, he, like you said, he he'll, he'll have a he'll he'll play in the NFL but but not for the Jets. And, and and if they're looking at other replacements at this point, I don't think you I don't think you ever look for kicking replacements and then don't just find one, right? Nobody's ever like, "Well, we're shopping for a couple of weeks. It's like somebody's coming in now." There's there's people who are competent enough out there and uh yeah, that was not the primary reason they lost the game, but certainly he is a—he's yeah, been just a just a disappointment. So uh, it's also worth noting, if we're t- kind of spinning out of that with the field goal thing. I mean, is there ever an excuse to uh, have a delay of game penalty on a field goal? No, like, there I is just not, don't, Kevin.
0: I, no, there is not.
1: I I, I don't I don't. I did not play football, so just, <laughs> just, uh, but I, I get the impression that the idea is that when you're bringing a field goal unit on, like, there should not be any kind of timing or uh, timing issues or delay issues. Like, shouldn't everybody know who's on the field goal unit and just run out there and kick the freaking field goal? Like, how hard is that to do? That's the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm not. Specifically blaming Salah, but actually I kind of am because like how 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 honestly can that happen? I just <laughs> it, it's it's one thing to say like the whether it's a scheme thing, whether it's a a talent thing, you know, on on both sides of the ball really, but particularly defensively in this game, we can talk about that, we can break those things down, but stuff like that, stuff like delay of game on a fifty-six yard field goal attempt. I just don't understand it. I don't understand how that how that happens.
0: Yeah, I don't think I would blame Salah specifically, but it's definitely a coaching problem, and it's something we've now Special seen
1: teams, yeah,
0: in back-to-back weeks, right? Because last week the Jets had a fourth yeah. and one. They had their offense on the field. They were going to go for it, and they have to kick because they took a delay of game with their offense yeah. on the field on a fourth and one. How do you let that happen? I don't know. Only I the just, Jets I take don't... a delay a game there, and only the Jets take a delay of game on a field goal. It's insane maybe the chargers maybe the chargers but
1: that's it like we're the only two teams with crazy enough special teams problems that that could happen in the toilet bowl Houston versus the jets who's ready talk about primetime entertainment folks oh my god
0: frisky houston <laughs> frisky houston we are, got Tyrod Taylor-Houston has two wins. It's really Davis Mills that's pushing an offer right now. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they weirdly, without any skill players to speak of, they move the ball when they've got Tyrod Taylor in there. He's just a little, he's just that quarterback. He can run a little bit. He can throw on the run a little bit. He's got a big arm. He can throw the ball deep. The knock on him has always been his accuracy and his consistency, right? But, I mean, they can move the ball a little bit. Anyone can move the ball on the Jets. So I don't know. I I, I kind of like the Texans in this game. I don't think you can give the Jets enough points and because Houston's just not going to get respect, right? This is probably going to be a three or four point spread, something like that, just because everyone figures two bad teams. But I don't know. I kind of like Houston, even against the spread in a game like this. I just think it's just such a bad matchup with the Jets with a team that moves the ball as well as Houston does with Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback.
1: I know. The idea of catching Houston at the wrong time, it's like Houston. <laughs> catching them at the wrong time. But here we are. Uh yeah. No, they do look more they do look more competent with, with uh Tyrod in there. Um it's gonna be fascinating psychologically because it could potentially be a tank off situation, but at the same time, like you're saying, I don't think that uh it doesn't appear like either of these teams are really like actively trying to sabotage themselves. It just seems like they are both among the three worst teams in the league and I, coming out of this game I am curious because if they if if Jets if the Jets lose to Houston I think there's a really good chance you can say that they're the worst team in the league. I really think that they're worse than Detroit. And I know that Detroit fans would be like hold my beer, we can't even we can't even get a pull a win out. We got to have a tie. Like it's one of those like it's d- dire straits, but by the same token, I don't know. I honestly think at this point we might be we might be the the, uh, the we might be the worst, Seth.
0: Yeah, I think Detroit's had a tougher schedule than the Jets to this point.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and and they've you know, and they could have beat Baltimore. There's all these things you can point to and be like, uh, you know, uh, they are not uh, they are not an elite team, <laughs> but uh, no. they might be better than the Jets. So, yeah, e- everyone, everyone's everyone's better than the Jets, but we'll see. I mean, if we can beat Houston, then then it then it throws the whole thing into a dizzy. Right now, we have the. Well, we have two of the top, uh, I think it's two of the top five picks in the draft, though. So there you go.
0: In the draft, nobody
1: seems to care about, but we got (laughs) him.
0: I mean, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson have had two straight disgusting weeks, which leads us to believe that Russell Wilson is clearly not healthy. He's clearly talking Pete Carroll into starting these games. If you're Pete Carroll, what are you going to do? Are you going to go with Geno Smith are you going to go with... Russell Wilson with nine and a half fingers. You're going to go nine and a half fingers, Russell Wilson, every time. <laughs> you are, yeah. We, we don't have to tell the Jets fans out there about Geno Smith, right? <laughs> so I, I don't blame Pete Carroll. Russell Wilson's obviously the emotional leader of this team in addition to being the starting quarterback. So it's be hard sell to keep him out of games. But you're right. All these Seahawks losses are like, that's just looking great for us. We're going to have two top five picks this year in I all know. likelihood. That's fantastic. Or at least two in the top 10 depending on how Seattle fares the rest of the way as Russell gets that much healthier.
1: Yeah, I I guess the consensus right now is that you can say a lot about Douglas's drafting, but I guess the trades have gone pretty well, you know, in some ways. If you're just looking at the Darnold and the Jamal Adams deal. But, you know, uh, so we got that looking. We we can look forward to that, except, of course, then, like, somehow the Jets are going to beat, like, Houston and then somehow, like, pull out a weird win against, like, Tampa Bay or something, and then we're going to be right back into like <laughs> right back into like. Wait, how did we? We only have one. How did that happen? So that's gonna that's probably going to exist. Let's be
0: honest. Yeah, they'll steal one or two games between now and the end of the year. It doesn't look like it if you look at the schedule, but that's what this team does, right? They win games for no reason. They screw themselves out of draft picks.
1: They are dying to get four wins or five wins. Just in this, not five, but they're dying
0: to get get to like four just to screw themselves over. Absolutely, absolutely. And I said this during the season preview episode, but I've been really impressed with Joe Douglas actually because I think he's really hit on more of his draft picks than not. Right? No GM is going to bat a thousand, but I think he's had more hits than misses certainly of his draft picks, uh, especially when you consider some of the good mid round finds that Joe Douglas has had. And I think he's been great with these trades. Like you said, I think he got really good value for Sam. I think he got great value for Jamal Adams. Um, You know, the free agent stuff, it's always going to be hit or miss. It's almost like the draft where you have to just, you know, hopefully you hit more than you miss with free agency. Joe Douglas's free agent record has been bad. But you can't look at free agent signings, you know, in hindsight. You have to judge them on their merits at the time sometimes you know a guy's a bad signing sometimes you know he's overpaid sometimes you sign a good player expecting to get something out of him and he doesn't show up healthy he doesn't show up in shape he doesn't fit with the scheme and I don't put that so much on the G- the GM it's hard to grade a GM retrospectively and I think sometimes especially the media in New York has a tendency to do that
1: yeah that's true i mean He's also just the, the injury luck with the draft picks is just something that, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know to what degree, you know, you can look at a player and be like, no, oh, they might be injury prone. I mean, it just seems like that's a crapshoot and he's lost, you know, it's, it, it's, it's been really tough. I can't remember at a certain point in the year, there were like eight Douglas draft picks that were all either injured or on other teams, you know.
0: That's going to do it for us at Just End the Show. Enjoy the games next week everybody. We will be back to break down the Jets and the Houston Texans next week. Kevin, the toilet bowl. The toilet bowl. <laughs> Take us out just at the show.
1: Just